Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that everyone and anyone is welcome to enjoy, but it's also a podcast that may not be welcomed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. everyone <sighs> hi guys we do not want to be here today like period on everything i absolutely love don't want to be here but no. we're here to serve you yes we're here to love on you give you what you need from us welcome to black true crime i'm kayla i'm kristen today um today today's nope. the day before my birthday Yes, it is. Kristen so, will be 25 tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be 25 tomorrow, guys. On August 27th. Doesn't even feel like it. Obviously, like, why would I feel like I'm turning 25? But it doesn't feel like my birthday is tomorrow. It feels like a normal week. Mm. How are we looking today? I look like a baby kid for sure and kind of pregnant in the face and tired. Your bags hella, are showing. Hella tired, but like, my bags always show. And Kristen looks like an egghead. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that is I all. feel like I look like a whopper. A whopper. <laughs> like the sandwich? Like the candy. No, like the candy. Like, look oh. at me, you guys. <laughs> this is the look. Is it a look? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Get on Patreon. What are you doing? <laughs> I also have one contact in my eye, so we'll see how that. Goes. You're trying yourself. I don't even want to put this back on. Like I feel like I look cuter without it. You so. do, to be honest. I'm gonna just rock it. I'm just gonna rock the rose. It's very Harriet Tubman rose. giving rose Rosa Parks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rosa Parks would have been this. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, she was protecting her hair. Don't blame her. Period. Okay, well, today um, is actually our 30th episode. And round of applause. Our 30th official episode. We've done more, but, you know, officially 30. And I'm really happy about that. I want to personally thank all of you guys that listen to us for listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. And I did a little research and people are listening to us in 70 countries right now. And apparently there's only like 195 in the world, which doesn't sound right. But if that's the case, we're listed in 70 of them. Listened to in 70 of them. So isn't that awesome? And then it made us think like, okay, we're only doing like black history, like type of things like that when i speak about them we're only doing mm-hmm. that for the u.s we don't really do it for other countries right so it's going to be my task to kind of like branch outwards and look for things that happen in the black community in other countries too yeah absolutely I'll do my best you will try oh god okay can we please start <laughs> okay go ahead kansas city missouri january 2004 a convicted killer would be paroled after spending 21 years on and off in prison for the violent crime. 
And less than six months later, that same killer would go on to terrorize the women of the Prospect Corridor of the city. Join us as we discuss the brutally barbaric behaviors and actions of the Prospect Killer, Terry Blair. Mm. Mm -mm. So I just want to start out that this I think I happened upon this episode, this episode, this case, because I was watching an episode of the first 48 and it was an insane case. You guys can definitely go look at it. I think it's probably honestly the first one, like season one, episode one. I think it is. Don't um, quote me. So just research it yourself. How are you on and off of prison? Oh, we'll get to it. Mike, don't do that. We're starting with the foolishness already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're going to probably cuss a lot in this one. So I'm not. Dad's here. Oh, oh, fuck him. (laughs) Terry Anthony Blair was born on September 16th, 1961 in Kansas City, Missouri. And he was the fourth oldest of 10 siblings. Dang. So mama was busy. His mother, Janice Blair, Janice Billy Blair, to be exact, suffered from mental illness and only finished the ninth grade. I know that Terry went to Central High School in Kansas City. I just don't know if he actually graduated or not. So to understand Terry's descent into darkness, we have to take a look at his family. In 1978, Janice, remember Terry's mother, was arrested for the shooting murder of Elton Gray, her drug dealing boyfriend at the time. But she killed him. Yeah, she killed him straight up. But she was only sentenced to probation. Okay, so Kristen's Kristen's getting her notes out because she (laughs) has trouble following this time. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So his mother ended up only doing five years of probation for that murder because she entered an Alfred plea, which is when the criminal defendant does not admit their their guilt, but admits that the prosecution could probably convict them for it. And I know, right? (laughs) There was a lot of different aspects of the case that were involved like her mental health and stuff like that right. so i think it was just an easy you know oh she's slow let her go which is <laughs> just not how it should be not a slogan not a she's slow let her go slogan <laughs> not a genuine accidental creation of a slogan <laughs> she's slow let, let her, her go, go. She's she's slow. Slow. <laughs> okay we're I having too much that. fun I would chant that at someone's like what execution. <laughs> you know how they be chanting and they be trying to go. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> okay. And did I mention that Terry was actually present when his mother killed? Mm-hmm. But that oh. wasn't his daddy, was it? No, it was just her boyfriend, like her his stepdad type of thing. Mm. And let me just say, what if he was the one that pulled the trigger and she just covered for him? Mm. Mm. So yeah, trauma. That's something to think about. Just the beginning of his trauma. We're we're gonna get into some more. But we know that. Yeah. In January 1979, Walter Blair Jr., which is one of Terry's brothers, was sent was arrested for the murder of a woman named Sandy Shannon. And in July of the same year, he was released. Yeah. Don't know. 
maybe they just really had a really difficult time having evidence in 1979. But he was convicted. No, 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 no. He wasn't convicted. He was arrested for the murder. Okay. But he wasn't but, convicted. Okay. Mm-hmm. But before he was released from prison or jail, I want to say, he met a fellow inmate that offered to pay him $6,000 if he killed a woman named Catherine Joe Allen. So she wouldn't testify against him in mm. a rape case that he had. So I'm assuming he like raped her and she, you know, was going to testify. And he's and like, she's probably the only evidence that they have against him in blah, 1979 because they're fucking useless. Yes. Right. When Walter Kayla, was, when are we getting to the point where I actually speak on this man's birthday and like what happened in that time? Right after the sentence. Okay. When Walter was released from prison, he abducted Catherine from her apartment and took her to a vacant lot where he shot and killed her. <sighs> for $6,000 from someone that's in jail, can't get it to you in 1979. Like there's Idiocracy. no fucking wire transfer. Idiocracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You he, just got released from possibly murdering another woman, and you go and you murder another woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are we doing? Who do we blame in this situation? Like, what is six k paying? Three months of rent. I mean, in 1979, it probably took them a bit further than that. But you know, when you grow up with literally nothing, like they did, mm-hmm. six thousand dollars sounds like the fucking jackpot. And the bro could have been mentally ill as well as his mother. We don't know. Well, yeah, but also we can't excuse murder because who, of mental illness. You know, who like just said, who was the one who said she's slow? Let her go. Who did that? No, I'm saying I said it, but they <laughs> did it. <laughs> don't you fucking put that on me, Ricky Bobby. I said it. They did it. Okay. What does that even mean? Like, Which okay. it, it means that I am only the one. I just made a slogan accidentally off of the dumb shit that they did. Like, they are the ones that let her go because she was possibly slow. Like, that has nothing to do with me. You right. Dickheads. We're not advocating for people with mental illness to commit crimes and to be let off. That's no. not what we're saying. Last we're, thing we're saying, saying that if somebody was advocating for that, they would probably use the slogan. She's slow. Let her go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Goodness gracious. Look at you, asshole. Look at her face, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So back to Catherine. Unfortunately, she lost her life to a piece of shit named Walter. And Walter was convicted of the murder and sentenced to death. And, mm -hmm, And he was executed in July of 1993. Jeez, wheeze. Yep, took his block off. That's what he deserved, I feel. Well, you know, it's hard to get into that death penalty conversation. But, you know, if you take a life, I feel like yours should be up for grabs, for sure. I mean, child, what can you do when you put yourself in that situation? What do you expect? What do you expect? The guillotine is what I would expect. Off with her head! Literally. I'm obsessed with guillotines. Okay. Next. Okay. So, Kristen, what happened in Black history in 1961? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I did some research, you guys. And one of the things I found in 1961 was the fact that Charles D.B. King, not B.B. King, D is in dog, B is in boy, King, died. In 1961, September 4th, um, he was 85 years old. Most of you are wondering, who the heck is that? Charles D. <laughs> D. King was the president of Liberia from 1920 to 1930. He was a black man. Mm. Um, and when I say black, I mean melanated of the darker tone. I'm like, are you saying like, because when you say black man, usually it's like American. It proceeds fine. You know, like it... <laughs> <laughs> like you, usually when I hear you say black man, you're saying something about him being fine. So the question <laughs> is, was Charles D.B. King fine? No, <laughs> Charles. I'll tell you straight up. Charles D.B. King was not handsome, maybe in his younger years. But what yeah. the picture that I saw, mm-mm. Um, <laughs> but he was an extremely renowned man, as in being a darker tone man, being the president of Liberia back in 1961. Like, right. that's a big freaking deal i don't even know where liberia is Chris, we have no know. clue but we are being listened to in liberia so hey liberia. Hi. Hey. if you guys know any information about this little tidbit please let us know dm mm-hmm. us email mm-hmm. us whatever mm-hmm. um and then in bigger new oh just wanted to say another thing on september 3rd the day before 1961 the minimum wage in the u.s was raised to a dollar and 15 cents an hour it was raised to a dollar and 15 cents. Before that, it was one dollar. What? Like, can we just let that sink in? 1961 wasn't even a hundred years ago. And we were being paid a dollar and 15 cents an hour. So, and we, we don't know if we, if black people were getting that, you know, whatever the case. If that may was be. the height of what people were being paid, you know, black people weren't getting paid that. It was the minimum. It was the minimum oh, true. wage. Mm-hmm. If that was the height of the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a ceiling, if that's the ceiling, you know, there's of a the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was even, but it even said that even though they had created this minimum wage, people were still getting paid a dollar an hour. So it's disgusting. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, so just imagine, like, what? Eighteen years later, um, Walter gets offered six thousand mm. dollars for one thing, like you know, and you're getting paid a dollar an hour. Like, it was probably mm-hmm. just like, I'm never going to see that much I'm money a rich in my man. life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And I have no morals already, so of course, yeah, I'll kill another. Well, I have nothing I've already to lose. killed before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Allegedly. one more. Mm-hmm. One more thing that happened in 1960 um, was the Boynton versus Virginia court ruling. So basically, it's an extension of the Boynton versus Virginia court ruling that basically said that segregation was no longer allowed to happen on bus terminals, restrooms, and other related facilities. Um, oh, nice. Right. 
Now, there is this organization called CORE, which basically means the Congress of Racial Equality. Mm -hmm. Um, It was formed in 1942 by a black man called James Farmer. This organization took action to kind of test the ruling to see if people were putting things in place, specifically the government was putting things in place to enforce this ruling. So they sent six white Americans and seven black Americans on a freedom ride, um, basically on two buses that were traveling from Washington, D.C. to New Orleans. Now, the freedom riders, they experienced severe violence from people that were basically knew what were, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, there was a stop in Anniston, Alabama, and they beat their behinds. The people there that were segregationists whooped their behinds. The black people whooped the black or the white? They, they The segregationists whooped all of the Freedom Riders behinds. Okay. It was like basically like even if you're white and you're mm-hmm. supporting this, like mm-hmm. you're against us. You're, yeah. If you're not with us, you're against this type mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, so that happened and one of the buses was even firebombed. Jeez. So local law enforcement was basically dragging their behinds, mm-hmm. not really trying to help. So the U.S. Attorney General at the time, which was Robert F. Kennedy. Okay. okay. Right. Um, My man is obsessed with the Kennedys. Like he has a hard on for them. I'm like, John was fine. Okay. So, <laughs> All that's right. just what that is. Where's Jackie um, Gone. Um, so eventually... <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Um, so then, so the Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy actually sent Highway Patrol Protection to kind of basically usher them along their way. Good. They still faced extreme violence and extreme resistance. So Kennedy actually had to go ahead and send federal marshals to mm-hmm. escort them to Jackson, Mississippi. Um, but the images of the bloodshed by then had spread all over the world mm-hmm. world ri- worldwide news y'all mm-hmm. and um the freedom rides basically continued from there so in september under the pressure from core and other civil rights organizations as well as the attorney general the interstate commerce commission ruled that all passengers on interstate bus carriers should be seated without regard to race and carriers could not mandate segregated terminals which basically meant that the carriers the people who are transporting these people you can't tell black people where to sit you can't enforce your own rules we're saying that segregation no longer exists on these terminals and that's what we mean period so that's, that's what crazy. happened. In, like, that, that was the environment of 1961. Oh, wow. I love it. Yeah, it was pretty intense, but it was I mean, like I, I hated fighting it, but for change. I, I was about to say, I hated what was going on, but I love that you the fight. It. You know, you like taught us and that Robert Kennedy was a real one. Yeah. Well, let's not go in that, that far. instance. I was about to say, he, he had a real moment. We don't know that man. Mm-mm, I don't know him. I don't know him. Great job, Kristen. You did a really good job with that. Thank you. Thank you for teaching us something. I try. So back to this horrid family. In Uh September 1980, James Bell was killed by a man named Noila White Jr. And Noila was the spouse of Juanetta Blair, which was one of Terry's sisters. This is too much, right? There's a lot of killing up in this family. Mm-hmm. Noila ended up going to prison for the murder and was later murdered himself. Ooh. In 2001, 
his own son, Noila White the Fourth, killed him in his own furniture store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was said, I read a couple places that Warnetta might have been involved in the death of James Bell. The man was apparently stabbed to death. So, yeah, she she was there when it happened and she could have possibly had a hand in that as well. But she didn't do any jail time for it. So, Juanetta's husband killed a man, Correct. was convicted, Correct. sentenced, served his time, and then came out and then was Correct. killed by his son. Correct. <laughs> Just doesn't high. get any worse. <laughs> and I, I've never heard of so many people who have gotten like convicted of the crime and then have come out. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, for murder? Well, the thing is, if you look at like sometimes other countries, like and I've seen like in Asian countries and stuff like that, you could kill someone and serve like seven years. Like it's not really something that they take as like, oh, this should end your life. And I don't know if it's like a cultural thing because a lot of cultures have actual like, you know, sac or human sacrifice and stuff like that involved. Mm -hmm. So it may not be taken as seriously, but yeah america back in 1970 i mean everyone was getting away with murder like it was like it was nothing you know wow so mm-hmm. plus asia's probably like look we have clearly a population problem so <laughs> so you're doing us a favor low-key that is disgusting horrible Kristen, why would you say that okay you said it out your mouth first. i did <laughs> saying a lot of like really grotesque things today Am I? I need you to calm down she's slow let her go that was the first that will stick with me probably for the rest of my life i want someone to chant that at my funeral hmm yes yes she's slow let her go like while they're like wheeling my casket down <laughs> it's not funny and I won't participate in this foolishness. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Shut up. Okay. In May 1982. So here, now we get to some of Terry's terribleness. Terrible Terry. Terry murdered Angela Monroe, the mother of his two children, who was pregnant at the time of her death. <sighs> yeah. Terry was sentenced to 25 years in jail for that murder. And according to court records, Terry was mad at Angela for working as a prostitute. He like found out she was, you know, a sex worker. And then he actually saw her engaging Mm. in the sex work. So, yeah, we'll kind of get to the details of that more later in the case. Crime of passion, indeed. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if you saw your baby mama having sex with somebody for money. And she has your baby in her. I would probably be a little bit of a little bit emotional, right? Like <laughs> I like I would probably like want to put my hand to my baby mom's. Yeah, I wouldn't kill her, but no. I would definitely want to slap her around. I would probably kill the dude before I would kill her. Yeah, I don't think we should be killing anything. But you know, right, if someone's but... doing something you don't like, just fuck. Tell them the fuck off. Like just take yourself out of that situation. Right. So Terry, exactly. some, Terry somehow was getting let out of prison on parole during this 25-year sentence. And he was out multiple times, but would always violate his probation and end up back in prison. In 1992, Terry's half-brother, Clifford Miller, was convicted of abducting a woman from a bar, shooting her in the arm before driving her to an abandoned house and raping and beating her repeatedly before she passed out. Thank God she survived, but she still had horrible injuries. She suffered from a gunshot wound, 
fractured skull, a broken jaw, and broken cheekbones. She had to spend two full months in the hospital recovering. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. It's like you're taking me, like all my physical beauty. Mm-hmm. You're destroying me. me. You're, yeah. like, literally, you're seeking to destroy me. Absolutely. Those are like the worst type of people, you know, that just really just try to like tear you down bit by bit inside and out. I'm getting chills. I'm Ugh. furious. I'm, Kristen, I'm, I'm sick of his irate. entire family at this point. Oh, yeah. Clifford was sentenced to two life sentences plus 240 years for charges, including kidnapping and forced sodomy. (gasps) Yeah, that poor woman. Oh, that poor woman. At this point, y'all need to let me in the jail so I can handle my business. (laughs) He's going to be in there regardless. He's not coming out. So just let me in the jail. And let me handle my business. Let me save you all some money. Let me save us taxpayers some money. Some money. You know? Oh, my gosh. Put them in a pine box and call it a day. That same year, Diamond Blair, which is Terry's nephew, was arrested for the first time on weapons charges. And I think at this time, he was six years old. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure his age. I just know that the first time he ever was arrested, he was six. Mm-hmm. And between the ages of 12 and 16, Diamond appeared in juvenile court for assault, stealing cars, and escaping the McCoon School for Boys. He was convicted in 2009 of the murder of 22-year-old Mon- Montague Kevin Ashlyn. Mm-hmm. According to the attorney that represented him, Diamond, quote, never had a shot. He went on to say that, Quote, you learn that violence is a way to respond to conflict. Often it's a way of survival. One thing that the public does not understand about people who commit crimes and the question about crime families is that generally these are nice people. They really are. In each family, there is good and bad. And there is mean and there is not so mean. And there's leaders and there's followers. But I think the most surprising thing to people who don't deal with it on a daily basis is some of these people are genuinely very nice people that do often do very nice things for other people that you would never know about. Unfortunately, they've chosen to do one or more criminal acts to get by with, end quote. So in this moment, if he's talking about the little boy, I understand because mm-hmm. little boy grew up in that environment. We're not talking about old boy who just sat there and sodomized and right. We're, no, not we're not talking that, about no. him. You don't. We so, don't no. No. So we're not. Don't do that because no, 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 no. <laughs> not everybody that commits these harsh cr- um, crimes are nice people. No. I understand the, the, the little boys that grow up in an environment like this. What can they do? If this is all that they see, this is how they see conflict being handled is through violence. Yeah. They're going to repeat that behavior. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping that this quote was taken from when he was being arrested for maybe like, you know, the stealing cars or something like that. If this man said this after he was charged with the murder of Montague, Kevin Ashland, then I have a fucking problem with this. With this, what's this person called? Defense attorney, like I do with most defense attorneys. You know, don't be saying that. No, don't give people like a pass. I'm telling, oh, well, they're generally nice people, bitch. Nice people don't kill people. 
even if they do, like they're not nice anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't get to keep that title. Sorry. You just don't. Like we've seen mafia dudes who'll sit there and be so kind yeah. and loving to their Love woman their and then go babies. out and shoot a dude in the head and not uh-huh. even think twice about it. We've seen it. We've mm-hmm. seen it. Make but that doesn't mean they're nice. <laughs> they're definitely not nice. <laughs> They're fake is what they are. (laughs) So fast forward a decade to 2004 when Terry was finally out on parole again. And he stayed out for a bit this time. (laughs) But he will quickly show that if prison did anything for him, it just made him worse. Mm. I wanted to mention before that on one of the occasions that Terry was let out of out on parole, he apparently killed another woman. On June 30th, 2003, police found the body of 45-year-old Sandra Reed in the Prospect Avenue corridor. She died after having her neck broken from being strangled. Somehow, Terry was charged with this crime, even though he was still in prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the charges were later dropped. On June 1st, 2004, and this is like at the time he's been out of jail for what, five, six months. Mm-hmm. He raped someone only known as JS. And on June 6th, he raped another woman known as LL. On, on July 14th, 2004, the body of 42 year old Anna Ewing was found in the 2600 block of East 23rd Street behind an apartment building. Even though she died from strangulation, the medical examiner ruled her death as an accidental cocaine overdose. What are we doing? Where the fuck did you get that from? Who are you? Where did you get your degree? (laughs) What are we actually doing here? Are we smoking while we're literally writing down causes of death? Like literally, are you, are you, were you taking a hit of cocaine as you were examining her? Because this doesn't make any sense. Like you could feel when you touch a neck. I've never touched it, but trust you can feel (laughs) if a neck is broken. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for doing that. It wasn't until after spoiler alert, Terry confessed to the murder that her body was reexamined, reexamined and the cause of death was changed to homicide. In mid-August 2004, 45-year-old Patricia Wilson Butler was murdered and her body was left in an old abandoned garage. She died by strangulation as well. A few weeks later, 38-year-old Sheila McKenzie was found strangled to death in the same place as Patricia's body. Are we serious? Yes. Actually, they were on top of each other. (gasps) Yes. That is sick. Yeah. So Patricia, no regard for these women. No regard. Like Patricia was almost at bone decomposition stage. Like you could see the bones and, you know, almost no flesh. And then obviously Sheila was, I think she was maybe killed a day before her body was found. That's disgusting. He's like literally like, okay, I'm treating you like cattle. I'm killing you and I'm hauling you on top of the next, you know, on the one that I just killed. Yep. On September 2nd, police were notified about the foul smell coming from the garage. And that's when they found the two women who were hidden under a tarp. Mm. On September 3rd, a tipster called 911 to tell them where they could find another woman's dead body. Following following the instructions, on September 13th, police found the body of 40-year-old Carmen Yvette Hunt behind a vacant house. 
and they had to use fingerprints to identify her. Because I think she was just really just too far gone at that point. Decomposed. Yeah. And I'm actually going to play the clips, the 911 calls for you guys in a little bit. So stay tuned. And this is something that Terry would start to do. He would call the police and literally tell them where to find women's bodies that he murdered. My next question, like who Mm -hmm. was a tipper who called it in? It It was was Terry. Terry Terry the tipper. (laughs) Terrible Terry the tipper. On September, oh, well, he called them again after he called them about uh, Carmen and told them that where to find two more bodies. On September 4th, 31-year-old Claudetta Junelle was found in the wooded area behind a boarded-up building, strangled to death with a broken neck. Jeez. And on the same day, 25-year-old Darcy Williams' body was found, and she was strangled to death either on or before september 4th because she was um her body wasn't that far Mm -hmm. down the nasty tube so right now terry has committed six murders two rapes Mm -hmm. and six murders there you look at kristen with the notes period And <laughs> I was a note taker, y'all, in school. I just didn't want to do it. But I'm gonna do it. You need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, you know, committed those terrible acts to those six women. He's also committed three forcible rapes, two we already mentioned. Um, and then he's also committed a first degree assault. So he strangled a woman almost to death, but she survived. And he was also accused of two other murders. So remember the Sandra Reed one, which he was, the charges were dropped. And then a woman right. named Nelia Harris. And she was found strangled to death as well. But girl, she sounds familiar. Nelia? Maybe Neil Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. There you go. Oh my God. So we know Terry likes to call the police and essentially tell on himself. Mm-hmm. And that's been helping the police kind of try to figure out who he is. So I'm actually going to play one of the 911 clips for you right now. Hello? I'm on the report a dead body on 29th Park. It's been off for about two months. How do you know the dead body there? I, I put it there. Who is the person? She's a prostitute. So was it two on 25th and Manga? Prostitute. Them also. Yeah. No fucks given. And she's just like, and you killed them also. Like well, this isn't her well, first review. Well, yeah. The nine one one callers have to be like cool as pickles. You know, mm-hmm. they try to just act like you know it's you're talking about going to the spa. Girl, um, you would have to train me because my mouth would be like, yeah. And it, it it is unnerving for them too. But they the police are able to use those instructions to find. Um, Carmen's body. So and these then, are prostitutes that he's killing. Yeah, I was gonna like tell you what all of they all of them were later, you know. But yeah, they're prostitutes, women of the night, mm-hmm. <laughs> sex workers. So he probably thinks he's doing the world like some type of favor, or maybe he just hates women. Um, it could be that too. But also, you know how men are. Men don't like women that take control of their sexuality a lot, you know, and right. being a Some sex worker and their egos get very hurt by it. So they lash out. 
in the processes of the perfect victim for men who really want to take out their aggression on something or somebody that's weaker than them. Yeah. That they see as weaker than them. Right. That they see as weaker than them. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I'm going to actually play the next call. This is 911. Can I help you? No. I want to be a simple body. These people are prostitutes. Okay, why did you kill these prostitutes? Because they are strong. They are strong. Can you just tell me how many more you have? There's six more. It's two today. I'll do the two more tomorrow. Wow. Just awful. Just awful. So, yeah. So the police are freaking out because this man is basically embarrassing them, honestly, because he has control over the situation. They have no idea where he is or any of the bodies are unless basically he tells them. So, you know, he's really digging all of this power that he's getting and the police are hating it and they're starting to really work hard. In the first 48 episode, you can even see some of the um, policemen go home and work on it outside of being paid for it you know they were really like let's fucking get this guy so one of them he ended up like contacting cell phone providers while he was at home and he was able to narrow down the call radius to an area two miles from the crime scenes and that's where all the calls came from Mm -hmm. then he started to listen to the background noises in the calls and noticed that there were sound of children there were sounds of children playing and then the sound of a train Using this information, they narrowed down their search area to a residential neighborhood next to the tracks. Mm. So now they know, okay, this is where the killer will be. Or at the very least, this is where the killer is making all of his calls. Right. Other detectives focused on looking for other victims that may have survived an encounter with Terry and found a woman named Aaliyah that described how Terry tried to kill her. She Mm. said he strangled her. And after she passed out, he picked her up and left her for dead in an abandoned garage. Wow. She described him as a black, tall man who is really nice. She said he just talks to you like you're just somebody he's known forever type of vibe. And that he was wearing a black jacket with like stripes on the side. So it's probably an Adidas jacket or something. Mm -hmm. Don't call out Adidas. They don't want nothing to do with this. (laughs) It could be. Speculation. And she said that even though she didn't know who he was, she saw him walking down Prospect Avenue after the attack. So just listen to her describe his reaction. You look at me like, I thought I killed you. What is you doing walking? I mean, I could never forget what he looked like. <laughs> so the way I love my people. <laughs> I love black people so much. <laughs> the, way, the way she just said that, like you want to laugh, yeah. you want to laugh at her like accent. The way she's just her what cadence. Like he looked yeah. at me like, "What are you doing, walking? Like right. she's I thought I killed you, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, are you making a joke of this? Yeah, Am this I isn't a joke, be- sis? Why do I want to chuckle? I feel uncomfortable. I don't know what's appropriate here. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So while police while police were out canvassing the area, a woman approached them and gives them a huge lead. Listen Mm. to this. And if you're on Patreon, watch this. He just got out of prison. He sliced his wife's throat 22 years ago. Terry what? I don't know. He's tall and slim. 
you know he made a statement to me and a few other girls out here he was gonna kill us one by one no but I know what he wears he wears a, a black jacket with white stripes all the time and a black hat what, what his mother hat? lived up there in that what apartment. I don't know. It's black. Wow. Mm-hmm. She's spilling all the tea. She's telling everything as she should. Because if, Absolutely. He's, if he's going around saying, I'm going to kill every single one of you. Have you lost your AMI? The fact that he has that much gall to tell that to them, he really doesn't think he's going to get caught. Or I, they're going to say anything. And like thinking about the interview that I watched with him and just hearing him talk and stuff like that i fucking hate him and i don't really i hate i don't like to hate but i genuinely hate him because he acts like oh like it wasn't my fault really like you know it's not a big deal like he tries to just excuse everything we'll get to it i'm going to show some clips but it's just fucking infuriating so police look his ass up because now they have a name mm-hmm. and they see that he'd previously been been convicted of murder and that he's been dodging an arrest warrant for violating his probation. So remember, he was on probation in January when he was released and he was sent to a halfway house. Well, in February, he ran away away from the halfway house. So they've been looking for him ever since. OK, they look really closely because he was fucking staying with his sister. Literally, she said his mom was down the street. Yeah, <laughs> like the niggas in the neighbor. Excuse me, the man is in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When they looked closer to the into the murder of Angela Monroe, the details were super similar to the cases they were dealing with now. According to the records, Terry was angry as hell when he found out that Angela was being a prostitute or working as a prostitute. And like I said, he saw her, and when he saw her engaging in her profession he essentially lost control and took a stick and hit her in the head with it wow he hit her he hit her body as well like under a tarp and then he called police to confess that he did it so this is just he i think he just but it's it's not even remorse like he's not even oh no. i feel bad about this it's like he feels like he's doing the world a service yes it and for him to cover the bodies for me it looks like he's kind of showing off in that way you know like whatever i'm gonna cover them like if you find them haha this is what you're gonna you know find something horrible like it's a freaking door the explorer exactly hunt. like he's having a lot of fun with this fucking horribleness so before police were able to arrest Terry, they had to have Aaliyah identify him. And she did. She saw in a lineup. They showed her some pictures. She said, yeah, that's him. So bam, mm-hmm. they knew they had the right guy. Police started looking everywhere and can't find him until a woman calls in and says that she and Terry were watching TV and Terry's picture popped up on the news. She says they played it off. And as soon as it was over, he left the house. She then called police. And when they came out to her home, they found Terry hiding under her car in the garage. Wow. (laughs) Thing for garages. And how like if he left the house, where did he go for him to be in her garage? Like, was he about to kill her, too? Was he going to go get something? Like I said, I have no idea. He was probably just trying to hide because he was probably aware that she was getting ready to call the police or, you know, whatever. Who fucking knows what he was thinking? I don't even whatever. A mess. Thank God he was arrested Mm -hmm. and they took him into custody on September 10th, 2004. When they were interviewing him, they said he was cool, calm, and collected, even when he was shown the pictures of the dead woman. 
But when he was shown a picture of Aaliyah, the surviving victim, he looked a little uneasy. Ooh. He started like shifting in his seat a little bit. They then brought up the phone calls and Terry claims he didn't make any of them. But he also claimed that he recently gave his sister a cell phone. So police wanted that cell phone. Mm -hmm. They also realized that his sister lived in the vicinity of the railroad tracks that they know all the calls were made from or like made near. So bingo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Once he learned all this information, he asked for a lawyer immediately. (laughs) (laughs) So he ain't stupid. No, he's not. I don't think he's dumb. I just think he's a fucking evil, evil man for sure. But he's not. He's not someone who has a low IQ or you just feel like he's just doing things out of emotion and rage and he doesn't really have any smarts. Like, right. no, this dude right. knows what he's doing. He knows precisely what he's doing. And the police never found the phone that he claims he gave to his sister. So that was a bust. So all the evidence they have right now is not enough to charge him with the murders, unfortunately. So now they're just waiting for DNA results to come back. And by September 14th, he'd be arrested on six counts of first-degree murder. So they, uh, two days after they sent the, te- sent the uh, come on, come on, come on, the specimens or the, you know, evidence that they pulled, the DNA for testing, mm-hmm. they got the results back that his DNA was found on Sheila McKenzie's body. Mm-hmm. That's it? Well, that's what I was able to find. They didn't specifically say where else the you know, DNA was found or who else it was on, but right. But at least that would possibly link him to two victims because Sheila was found on top of Patricia. Uh Oh, I don't think that's true, but if it's true, then yeah, you don't think what's true. I can't remember who was on top of who it I was, wrote. Notes. Too many. Sheila okay. was found on top of Patricia. Oh, okay. Trust the notes. Prosecutor Sanders said that they would be trying to implement the death penalty in this okay. case. Um, Sanders said that, quote, this decision is not just this decision, not just represents the desire of the prosecutor's office, but also the desire of the family members standing here today. And no dip, you know, you have to be very like Zen, very in tune with whatever power you feel to feel like someone killed your family member and you don't want them to suffer capital punishment. Right. Because like I feel like even then though you would still go through the the anger of saying no, kill him. Yeah, yeah. But then like as time goes by and you start to realize, okay, this is a this is the ultimate challenge of yeah. my faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you might come down. But everybody's gonna get to the point where they're like, kill him. Like, right. are you serious? Yeah, it's not even a question. Terry's trial started on March tenth, two thousand eight. But before that, on February eighth. Terry made a deal with prosecution in order to avoid the death penalty. He opted to choose a trial by judge. And as another part of this deal, prosecutors agree to permanently dismiss the other murder, the other two murder cases we talked about, the assault charge and the three rape charges. So basically those victims get no fucking justice. A woman testified against Terry at trial. Her name is Cherry Chadbourne, and she's the same woman that approached police and gave them his name. Remember that Mm -hmm. clip that we just saw? Caucasian lady. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So listen to what she had to say about her experience with Terry in court. Met him. Everybody's together out of prison now. 
we had an encounter that this man named Terry Blair said he was going to kill all the prostitutes. They were scum of the earth, one by one. I was trying to get away from him, and I jumped in that white man's truck. He had pulled a knife, told me he cut his wife's throat, he cut mine too. Right like that. Yeah. The gall of this guy, just really ballsy. And I'm so proud of her for testifying against his ass, you know, because she could have been a victim. Yeah, she looked like she was going through some withdrawals or something. Like she couldn't wait to get out. But oh my gosh. she came. She well, came. She, she was a crack addict. So, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I wasn't an addict, a joke. always an addict. You got to walk through it. It's difficult. But like I said, I'm happy she made it and did so her happy civic duty to make sure those victims got justice. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Cherry. <laughs> and before Oops. announcing the verdict, and before announcing the verdict, the judge called out the Kansas City Police Department for allowing the first 48 TV show to record them and essentially interfere with the investigation. Oh, wow. He's, he said that mistakes were made because of the presence of the cameras and that this allowed for Terry to have a better defense. He told police that, quote, I respectfully suggest if you don't want problems, you need to pursue the criminals instead of the cameras. End <laughs> quote. <laughs> Period. Slap me in the face, why don't you? He clearly doesn't like social media. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly an old school cat. Mm-hmm. And I ain't mad at him. I'm not. I understand where he's. He's like, you know, people are dead, and you have yeah. camera crews filming. This is ridiculous. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I also watch for- First 48 every night before going to bed. Like we, we really respect the people that are part of First 48 because we get to see stuff that we would probably never, never see. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you said, don't focus on the camera. Focus on the person you're trying to catch, period. Yeah. Let the cameras be there, but you be in the zone. Right. Defense attorneys fought to throw out the interrogation from the show because in the episode, the interrogation was, you know, parts of it was included. But the judge decided it did not violate Terry's constitutional rights to a fair trial. So, you know, I agree with that because I'm like, if it was something that would have helped him in this case, the defense would be all upon it. But since it's not helpful, they're like, wait, no. Right. On March 27, 2008, Terry Blair was found guilty of six first degree murders charges of six first degree murder charges and on april 24th was sentenced to six life terms to be served consecutively meaning back to back to back with no possibility of parole he is currently locked up in the potosi correctional center in missouri in missouri Mm -hmm. wow yeah, so I'm really happy that he is in jail. Disgusting piece of shit. We never have to hear from him again. Oh, wait, we do. Because people still like to romanticize serial killers and really care about what they have to say for themselves. Which is what? Well, a man named Phil Chalmers on YouTube did an interview with Terry earlier this year, 2021. And I'm going to play a couple short clips of it. I may include a more in-depth clip on Instagram, but we'll see. Um, so just listen to this, you guys. So Phil first asked him how his childhood was, and this was his reply. Oh, it was uh, it was pretty much like most normal uh, families. Uh, six girls, four boys, uh, mother and uh, stepfather. Uh, 
basically. Uh, it was just, it's just normal. Boring. That's what Lie. he sounds like. Fucking liar. It was not normal, you piece of shit. He's fucking lying. Like, yeah. And he's really pissing me off. That's what I said about him. I, I hate him because it's different to like own the shit that you do and stuff, but to try to just lie about every fucking aspect of your life when we all know the fucking truth, like you're being really real, like you're just making it hella worse. And it's like, why? Why lie? You literally told on yourself for all of these murders. Yeah. Why are you lying about your past? Like, it's almost like he's ashamed of what he went through and he really wants mm-hmm. the murders to be about some type of indignation that he had towards mm-hmm. these women, that they are mm-hmm. the scum of her and that they deserve everything they got. F my past. It's not about me. <laughs> it's about the fact that these prostitutes are the scum of the earth and they deserve to be wiped out. It's just disrespect. Phil then asked if there was any violence or history of getting into trouble in his family. And this was his reply. Uh, well, the boys, well, we got in trouble uh, a few times. Uh, Mom had a incident, but uh, it was considered as a accident because uh, her condition at that time. So, but basically, yeah, just the boys. Like, do you see that? Like the wa- it's it's the watering down for me. It's the oh. We haven't killed. We, you know, got into trouble in a few times. Like normal boys who get in trouble. You know, you guys were arrested. You guys were murdering women. That type of trouble. Like a number of you. And it's like, if you have the limelight on you, people want to know your story and stuff like that. Like you see those killers, like the one we last talked about chest all puffed out like they talk about themselves like they're god and Mm -hmm. willing to just spill everything and here he is hiding things about his past i wonder why i think he just wants people to more so understand him i think it's it's like don't focus on my past like how i grew up and stuff like that and and what people close to me did focus on more so what i did and why i did it you know, if you focus more so on why I did it ignore and ignore all that other stuff, I feel like he feels like people are more likely to take his side because he's not technically killing anyone that technically matters in his head, you know? So he feels like, you know, if I tell them, well, I'm just killing them prostitutes because they're the worst. It's like saying, oh, I just killed rapists. Like, it's no big deal. You know, that's how I think he's taking that stance. Yeah, he's like, that's what I was saying, though. I feel like he's trying to make it seem like he's just an everyday man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. the scum of the earth is the prostitute, and that's where the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Not him. It's the prostitutes. The whole time yeah. he grew up in a family of killers. <laughs> the whole time his mom was probably selling pussy. Let's be, r- let's be real. She had 10 kids. And yes, her you know uh stepman or his stepfather whatever the fuck her boyfriend was a drug dealer but like is he trying to take care of all them kids i don't know but then it's so funny because like you're targeting women but the first murder that we know that you've seen was your own mother killing a man right but also we don't know what his mother's profession is and i've seen many many cases of men killing exactly the type of person that their mother is you know yeah so who knows? Maybe he has some built up resentment against her. I wouldn't put it past him. 
that is arcade. Wow. Why did I have genuine, like not fun, but like interest in that case? Mm-hmm. Like just the fact that his family and the people, the men around him were just killing people left and right. Child. Yeah. Yeah. And then you come from a, a mother with mental illness, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he sounds like he had some type of education, talking about incidents and accidents and just sounding so proper and actually like somebody that you would want to talk to because of I how chill you, his voice is. I'm a bitch, you can learn that in jail. You can learn how to That's talk, you know, T.I. learned jail. all the words that he knows in jail. In jail. And this nigga was in jail on, on and off on for and what, off. 20, 21 years. So yeah, he learned a thing or two. He's not an idiot. He's just you know, is a deplorable human being. Wow. That one was very, very insane. And then you're telling on yourself, like you think you're cute. <laughs> right. Right. Like that's the part that I need to get into his psyche a little bit. Why the fuck are you calling the police? You could get away with this possibly, you know, but you're drawing attention to yourself. I don't understand that. And then you go out like a little punk hiding under the car of, right? somebody, of a woman's car in her garage. That is such a punk move. I think that's what he deserves. I'm happy it ended that way. You're, you should be embarrassed. Absolutely. You should be embarrassed. Just, it just shows he is a punk. Like the yeah. definition of preying on the weak. Yeah. In his for eyes. Sure. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And yeah. if you need a palate cleanser, I don't have one for you. So go find one. Love ya. Okay. Well. <laughs> Remember, stay safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. Period. Bye, you guys. We'll see you next um, week. We'll see you. Bye. Oh, wait. Happy birthday, Kristen, from all oh. of us. Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.